Hey, Jenna, welcome back to the podcast. How are you today? Wonderful, Chris. Thank you. I'm really enjoying getting to know you over these episodes. And today we're going to talk about Lux by the Glass. Lux by the Glass. Can you share a little bit more about, about that, the philosophy and kind of what it represents and means? I will be happy to. I kind of came up with this terminology when I was thinking about what, you know, like, okay, what do I stand for? Right. And so some of the things that I am very passionate about are wine, fashion, and moods. Now, we, you know, we can talk a bit more about that, but those are things that kind of describe, you know, things I think about on a regular basis. And so um, Lux by the Glass came from something that I really like to talk to women about, which is having small luxuries in life. And so I kind of term it, out, term it into having luxury one glass at a time. Mm. And what that means is sometimes, you know, you go out with your girlfriends, maybe you can't afford to buy the whole bottle of Dom or, you know, your favorite champagne to celebrate, but you can buy a glass and that's okay too. So just go ahead and have little luxuries in life. Just, you know, one glass at a time. You don't have to have the whole thing, the whole cake at one time, but you can have a little bit. Um, so little luxuries and I call it Lux by the glass. Yeah. Those small luxuries, you don't have to have everything in life all at the same time. And I think that's a great philosophy and mindset to adopt. Where does that come from? How did you arrive at that point? I was reflecting on how I, um, sort of how did I come along? Because I remember when I was like in my twenties and thirties, I was, as you know, I was a single mom and I had a limited budget, I had a great job, but I also had a limited budget and I had to, you know, stretch it, manage a lot of things. And, but people would always go, oh my gosh, you have the you know, best wardrobe. You always look so cute. You always pull together. And I'm sure that everybody thought I had this huge closet and I'm sure they all thought that I spent a lot of money on my clothes and neither were true. I mm -hmm. learned how to um, buy nice pieces and not always expensive pieces, but nice pieces, looking for detail, certain things, um, building what we call now, I hear people calling the capsule wardrobe, but just these solid basics, right? Great black pants, great blazers, um, adding something with a little pop of color. So I learned how to take those things and just rotate out. You know, you can go to the, you know, little store down the street and buy a new blouse for $15, $20. And so I would like rotate in some really cute, colorful blouses. And that's how I pulled it together. But outside of fashion, I've always liked nice things in life. I've always mm. liked to go to the spa or, or do special things for myself or for my friends. And so I learned, um, to just do little things at a time again, instead of, you know, if I couldn't do, you know, a five day vacation, I might do a two day staycation and really treat myself well, or do nice things or cook the things that I like to eat. So I've just learned how to have, um, how to have measurable luxuries in life. And I think that's for most people who, if you are self-made and you're, you know, experiencing the ups and downs of life and the ebb and flow of, you know, when it rains, it pours type of thing. And then sometimes, you, you know, it's a little tighter. You just, you've got to learn how to make things last, how to make them work. And that was where my philosophy came in is when I was, again, thinking back to when I was in my younger years. And even now, if I want something nice, it doesn't mean I have to go get the whole thing, but I get a piece of what I want. Well, let's get back. I want to ask you specifically about fashion, but let's start with wine. How has wine played a role in all of this? 
Okay. So I've been in wine about 10 years now. And um, some of the philosophy around wine that I've been paying attention to is how, um, as I said before, it's sort of set up to, to be um, prescribed for only certain people or a certain mm-hmm. lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I want to smash all of that. And that's what I've been working to do is make sure that the wine industry is more inclusive, that it is more available to anyone who considers themselves a wine connoisseur and wants to be a part of the wine industry or just a wine lover. Um, mm-hmm. They can find their niche and fit in there and feel like they're invited to the party. And so um, for me, I've used wine as my way to sort of break down some huge barriers. I mean, I remember when I used to, the first time I walked into, you know, a couple of wine tasting, um, tasting rooms, I was kind of looked at as, you know, an anomaly and like, Mm. oh, what's she doing here? And some of the comments that were made, you know, um, anyway, we've just, I've seen some progression. I've seen that um, not only are tasting rooms more open and the staff more open to receiving people that don't necessarily look like them, um, as well, I've seen diversity in tasting room staff, which is really exciting. One of my um, favorite wineries um, is John Anthony Vineyards, and they're doing an amazing job of diversifying. I don't know if they've been purposely doing it, but I walk in and I see it, and so I appreciate it. And also, I'm seeing, um, I I call it the browning of the tasting room, but for sure, um, it's just looking more diverse. Looking more diverse, embracing different cultures in the tasting room, right there where these wines are being experienced sometimes for the first time by refined palates in the industry. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about fashion. So how does wine fit into fashion and the same philosophy of, you know, you can have everything in life, just maybe not all at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big proponent of uh, wine and fashion pairing. So I, I love pairing wine and fashion. I love pairing wine and mood versus wine and food. So um, first, if we think about pairing wine and fashion, there's a natural um, synergy between, I think the flow of um, fabric, fashion, detail, nuance. There's one single creator typically behind a brand and they had a vision of what, what they wanted to deliver to their fans, to the public. And so there's so many similarities um, between creators and the process of getting that product to market that I very much think that they marry and pair well. And so when I think about a beautiful flowery, um, you know, spring, maybe maxi dress, I'm thinking about equally maybe a Sauve Blanc or a Sancerre that has these flowery notes that makes me feel. and, And when I smell it, the essence of being in a meadow filled with flowers or um, beautiful greenery that's growing, that pairs. And I, and I think when you think about it that way, it's probably, it clicks, right? You go, oh, I get it. I, mm. can, you know, I can marry those experiences together. And so when someone is walking you through that experience, I think it's very easy to marry, or you know, let's say you're going on um, a date and you have a beautiful like leather, you know, strapless bustier or a nice you know, dress and it's um, snug and it's tight fitting and you've got your hair pulled back and you've got a red, you know, dark red lipstick on. And it's just this very, you know, spelt kind of um, sexy look. Well, guess what wine I'm going to pull out? 
this nice, bold, racy, a little bit spicy red that sort of puts me in that same mood. And perhaps some of the characteristics of the wine being tight, but as you you know, let it air out, it loosens up and it develops and blossoms into this beautiful aromatic wine in your glass, um, similar to what might be your mood that evening. So you can see there's a lot of parody with fashion and wine. I, I like how you're combining these different elements because it's, it's the whole person, you know, fashion as this outward portrayal of like what's going on, but it's also when you're thinking of starting your day and you're looking at your closet and, and you've really selected these timeless pieces and you've, you've, you've done this blocking that you've been referring to and let, you know, depending upon what you have planned for the day or where you're going, you're going to make different decisions. But I'm, I'm, I'm wondering which one typically comes first in the equation. Are these all based on the mood initially? Are they based on the fashion? Can the mood and the fashion be based on the wine? Like which one comes first? Probably the mood, because based on what mood I want to set is going to determine what I'm going to wear, which is going to determine mm. what I'm going to pour. So, yes. um, and mood is such an internal vibe, right? You think about mm -hmm. if, you know, there's a difference between when I've got my girls together and we're going to celebrate somebody's birthday or somebody got engaged or a promotion at work, we're going to drink a certain wine. We're going to celebrate. It's going to be fun. It's going to be bubbly. It's going to, you know, all the things. And then um, I'm going to wear a dress that's, symbolizes that or an outfit that that sort of notes that and then I'm going to you know I guess I can select my wine accordingly um, again it's about that mood that I want to portray uh, on a daily basis yeah or on an occasional basis I think this is interesting because typically this combination like if you're really thinking about it I can imagine that someone would say oh that's only for someone who's really rich and what, you know, your philosophy of Lux by the glass, having that, that luxury, like really incorporating and enjoying life to the fullest in these kinds of moments doesn't have to be done at all at once. It can be done glass by glass. So for the person that's kind of feeling stuck, like maybe this isn't accessible to them, you know, what's a good way to kind of get started and maybe start expressing themselves or, or trying on these things for the first time. Such a great question. I will tell you the first wine that I fell in love with, I found at Trader Joe's. I fell in love with the bottle. It was this beautiful beveled bottle of, I want to say it was a Moscato de Asti. It was like a sparkling, mm. you know, Moscato. Um, and if you know Moscato de Asti, it's a little different than our, sort of our American, you know, very, very sweet Moscatoes. It's still sweeter, but it's, it's just, a, it's sparkly and um, nuanced a bit different. And so that was the first one I fell in love with. And I, when I was just you know, venturing into wine and I shared it with my girlfriends and they all loved it. And so then I thought, well, you know, there's one, there's a hundred. And so I, that's when I started really getting playful with wine, but that bottle, I'm confident that bottle at the time was under $5. It, it might've been $5. And I just thought, you know, let me just play and start exploring. Now, something innate in me said, you know, the stuff on the bottom shelf, maybe I, I may or may not want, but um, my girl, I, I have girlfriends who love like a Stella Rosa, which can, you know, six, eight, $10 a bottle. Um, it's, it's never, ever, ever about the bottle. I, mean, I guess if you're gifting or, or you want to notate something on a, on a certain level, yes. But if it's about what you're enjoying for yourself, 
nobody is going to look at that price tag. Nobody's going to judge you. I always say, always drink what you love and don't feel judged. Don't feel bad about it. Somebody produced that with you in mind and said, I know somebody's going to love this wine. So if you love it, enjoy it. Be open to trying other things. But if your palate directs you in one way and that's where you land, by all means, enjoy it. It doesn't, it's not really, it's not about the price point. And there may be a time or two where you say it's a special occasion. I'm going to go up a level and I'm going to spend a little extra. And I do, hopefully you like that wine, but I've certainly spent extra on wine and I didn't necessarily enjoy it. You know, so the price point doesn't always mean that it's going to be a better wine. There are the things as you start learning about wine, you're going to look at, you know, where did it come from? You know, what AVA was it? grown in well where was it produced what's the year of that wine um you know what are some of the notes is it a you know Syrah is going to be richer kind of heartier sweeter whereas um Merlot's will go the opposite way Pinot's so don't be afraid to you know just relearn about wines know what to expect and then try that wine so I want to really talk about this concept of the small luxuries and I'd like to ask the listener what is something that you really, really, really enjoy that you don't really do for yourself that you don't, that you wouldn't really get for yourself, uh, uh, you know, because it, maybe you don't feel like you deserve it. Jenna, I'll be honest for me, it's, um, it's new notebooks, like leather bound notebooks, like really nice paper, really nice pencils. When I'm at my worst, I don't feel like I deserve it. Like maybe it costs $10, maybe it costs $15. You know, for my wife, it's like buying some fresh flowers, that 10 bucks to just buy some fresh flowers and have them in the house. And the small luxuries, like uh, like, feel, like feeling like I have the margin in my life to just take a walk in the middle of the day in between meetings. Like it's okay to breathe for a second. And I have found when I've been challenged to embrace the small luxuries, that my life feels like it's way more full of abundance, that that a little bit of self-love, like I'm my worst critic. And so I think what Jenna, what you're saying with, look, the bottle was under $5, but there was something special about it. It was a Moscato de Asti. It had a, a, a it had a, a, a beautifully bezeled bottle. It, it was, it was different. Something inside of it made your soul sparkle. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, could you imagine if you hadn't have done that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What a loss, what a miss. Right. Um, and a lot of that is assumptions. Sometimes we operate out of all of these assumptions, but you're right. We go back to luxury and how do we define that? Luxury could be being able to, you know, go down to the lake and, and go paddleboarding for an afternoon. Mm. We do not have to measure it by monetary means at all. You know, that's, that's not the, the cost of luxury is not monetary. Hmm. Well, I, I, I promised I would ask you a little bit more about mood because it's easy to think that, okay, we can just control our mood. We're always going to be our absolute best self in every situation, but like that, that can't be further from the truth. So I'm, I'm wondering like, what has been your way to create that space and kind of manage that on a day-to-day basis? Mm-hmm. So there are, there's the obvious things I do when I go, when I do my grocery shopping at you know Trader Joe's or wherever, I always bring home flowers for myself to enjoy. And those are the reminders for me in the morning that 
I'm worth it. Or mm. I look at, you know, for me, it's, I look at God's creation and I know mm. that he loves me because he, you know, these were grown for me somehow they were for me. And so I love to just gaze upon them. I think flowers love to be gazed at. And mm -hmm. so I like to stare and gaze at them. I also love things like, you know, when there's a big sale, you know, a half yearly sale, wherever I will go and stock up on really good towels. Mm. Sometimes it's um, good towels that I love. Uh, those are all, and those, and I like that because they're constant, right? I don't have to go and do, I have to spend any money. Once I've, once they're there, they're there, but I know I have this really lovely fluffy towel um, that I get to wrap around me when I need one. I also think about things like, um, I love really good. Can I say undergarments? I guess I can. It's my podcast, right? It's your no, show. No. Yeah. So those things make me feel really good when I select what I want. I make sure it's the right, you know, undergarment for the right outfit. And so those things are rewarding for me. And I spend once, but they reward me exponentially and ongoing. So I don't mind spending a little bit more for what I want. And sometimes what I want is a little bit less. And that's, that's when I really win, but I don't mind going a little bit extra when I can. But the other part of that is I really take care of my things. So I make sure that when I'm, you know, washing undergarments, I, I don't put them in the dryer. I hang them up or I hand wash them if I can. So, and, and that also gives me a chance to kind of slow down in life and just go, huh. Oh you know, and appreciate some of the smaller things in life and slow down just a little bit. So I guess it's a cycle there in that um, it's how you in your mind start creating your life, how you start creating the life you want in your mind, and then just start doing little things to be that person, you know, see yourself as that person, align and act accordingly. Well, we're coming to an end here on this second episode, and I'm really, really happy this was the second episode because I think this is a really, really fundamentally important concept for your show and for your listeners. Um, let's just do a recap. Like, let's just do a quick recap on wine, fashion, and mood. What does it mean and how, how do they work together um, for someone that's maybe new to the concept? Mm -hmm. So select, take the time to explore. And this is a journey. It is not, you know, an, an end point. It's a journey. Try, explore new things, be open to it. And then also find the things that you love so that you can celebrate with those when you're, whether it's time to love yourself or love on a friend or a loved one, um, you can share those things. Wine is meant to be shared. So do that. Uh, when it comes to fashion, Again, explore, find the things you love. Please don't feel like you have to have the latest, the most expensive handbag on your arm mm -hmm. to find value in yourself. Those expensive bags do not define you. And if they break your budget or cause you to you know, not have some of the necessities in life, they really aren't worth it. I mm -hmm. personally have pulled back from buying those expensive items. I just don't find that they serve me. I personally would rather have a really well-made you know, handmade, hand-stitched leather bag from Italy. That's a couple hundred dollars versus a couple thousand dollars because it has a label on it. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, just think logically about what you're doing, how you're feeding yourself and what feels good and true to you. Now, sometimes it's fun to have, you know, a great bag and, you know, to flex and you know, we all want and need those little things in life from time to time, but let them be not the norm, but maybe something special. 
And that's my, that's my prescription for happiness. Now for somebody else, they, they may need that. That's okay. That they prefer those things. I'll tell you what works for me. And then when it comes to mood, well, I think there's two things to think about. Um, we're not always here. We probably ride about here and to avoid getting here, drink a lot of wine. No, I'm kidding. Don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> but um, keep the little things around that remind you of your self-worth, of uh, your importance to um, your creator. And it's, it's the little things just because you can't have that doesn't mean you can't have this and be find just as much value. Your life really is. I, I feel like my life is richer when I'm not focused on these outside things to make me happy, but I'm feeding my soul and doing things that make me feel good inside, like, you know, growing flowers or picking out flowers and arranging them in my vase and putting them someplace special in my room. Awesome. What an awesome episode, Jenna. Thank you everybody for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on Apple uh, five stars. Let us know what you think of the show. Please subscribe and we'll see you next time.